What's up, Devi peoples? It's EK back with another hot episode of the Devi Dose. I got with me, as I do in all of the best shows, my man Kyle. Kyle, how are you, buddy? Um, a little tired this uh, afternoon. That really feels like my morning, but um, <laughs> ready for some action. Maction in the house. Yes. Everyone's favorite midweek G5 football conference. Um, and I don't know. I, I, I'll say going through this, I think I was a little bit disappointed by the production from some of these guys last year. I mean, there were some running backs that were fired, but I feel like a couple of years ago, there was just a lot of, of CFF talent coming out of this conference. I, I don't think it really lived up to my expectations. Did you feel that way? Yeah, I, I think there's been a lot of changes over the last two years in this conference in terms of coaching, and and with that, a lot of players have left and obviously some graduates. Um, so it doesn't seem as easy to predict this year. Maybe we still get the same kind of production. It's just guys we don't know about yet. But. Yeah, exactly, which is tough to take flyers on when you have limited draft space and so many options on the board. Maybe we were talking about before this, I mean – most of the supplementals I've done so far have been fertile, just guys there that I thought were, you know, that were either on our, our G5 big board so far that were pretty highly ranked or that had Debbie potential really through all 15 rounds. I mean, it's been hard to kind of squeeze the long shot guys onto my roster. Yeah, for sure. And, um, right. I think we'll just hop into coaching changes since we're talking about all the changes that happened. And um, if you don't mind, I'll read these off and you can send me the link to that sheet. Oh yeah. <laughs> you can edit it. All right. So <laughs> Western Michigan is the, uh, the first team that lost their head coach this year. And that was Tim Lester. He'll be replaced by Lance Taylor, who's the former offensive coordinator at Louisville. Um, before that, he was a running back coach at Notre Dame, um, coached Kyron Williams to two 1,000-yard seasons. Before that, he was at the Carolina Panthers and Stanford. And while he was at Stanford as the RB coach, he coached uh, Christian McCaffrey and Bryce Love. So he's had some success with the running back position. Um, could be interesting there at Western Michigan. Um, will definitely pass less than they did with uh, Tim Lester, most likely. Mm. And then Kent State loses their head coach, Sean Lewis. Lewis has been there for a while, um, kind of the architect behind Dustin Crum, Colin Schley. Um, but now he's headed to be the office of coordinator at Colorado under Deion Sanders. Um, he'll get plenty of eyes on him for sure, definitely an opportunity for him to keep moving forward in his career and possibly become a head coach at a P5 school, but he'll be replaced by Kenny Burns. Um, seemingly a pretty different offensive philosophy. Kenny Burns, a former running back coach at Minnesota. He was the assistant head coach and the running back coach under PJ Fleck for the last six seasons. So he's been um, around the Minnesota program for a long time. Um, coached Ibrahim, uh, obviously, and had some good rushing attacks there in, at Minnesota. Before that, he was a wide receiver coach at North Dakota State. Um, so Kent State probably less likely to pass the ball than they were, probably not as prolific through the air, but more prolific through the ground. Um, 
and they lost just about everybody when they lost their head coach. Um, starting quarterback, starting running back, all three starting wide receivers all entered the transfer portal and left. So lots of um, replacements, and we'll we'll be happy to talk about them as we as we get down the list. Yeah, it seems like there will be definitely some upside to be had there if we can just identify the right guys. The only other thing I'd say about Burns, I do feel like uh, flex offense is adapted to the talent. I mean, when they had, you know, Rashad Bateman and, uh, you know, David Bell there, they, you know, they they changed the offense to, to suit those guys. It was Bell. Bell was Michigan Purdue. too. I mean, per, oh, he was Purdue. Was it Rondell? Are you thinking of Chris Ottman Bell? Uh, he was terrible. Wasn't there Rondell was also at Purdue. Wasn't there another good wide receiver when Bateman was at Michigan? I mean, was it uh, uh, Minnesota? Isn't it Ottman Bell? I, I don't think he's good. There's, there's <laughs> someone else good for Bateman. Oh, but... oh, Tyler Johnson. Yeah, exactly. They had two really highly productive, you know, passing offenses those two years. So now I was just saying, I think that he can adapt to his talent. And the <coughs> when I was reading some spring game notes about them this year, they were implying that losing Ibrahim. They were going to throw the ball more, and they were excited about some wide receivers. But we'll get to that a little bit later. Uh, all right. Yeah, so, oh, what do you got? Somebody segue. <laughs> this is a segue. Right. Let's let's launch into QBs. The QB position. Not awesome in this conference, um, I thought, at least my end of it, had one guy I cared about and literally no one else. Um, how did you think, um, you know, the Eastern team stacked up? I think maybe maybe two, maybe three, but, yeah, not much. But it, it's funny, though, because this, this conference didn't lose much in terms of quarterbacks. I mean, nobody really graduated. Um, obviously, Colin Schley leaving for UCLA from Kent State's a big one. Um, and Daniel Richardson in the portal from Central Michigan was pretty decent last year. But um, a couple losses to the portal, but really we're going to see a lot of returners. Um, first one I'll bring up is DJ Irons from Akron. He played in 10 games last year, threw for 2,600 passing yards, but only 10 touchdowns. Um, if he can you know, get those touchdown numbers up. We're looking at a pretty successful guy. I mean, he, he averaged 24.3 points per game last season. Um, unfortunately, he did miss some games at the end of the year, and he's still recovering from that injury. So we'll see what DJ Irons can do. And then another guy who also suffered some injuries last season was Brett Gabbert, obviously uh, Blaine Gabbert's little brother. He's been good at Miami, Ohio, in 2021, he threw for 2,600 passing yards and 26 touchdowns, good for 27.8 fantasy points per game, um, but only played in three and a half games last year. So if he can get back to those 2021 numbers, I mean, we're looking at a pretty pretty solid quarterback. But um, we'll see what happens after that injury. Yeah, what was the injury? Do you know? I do not remember off the top of my head, but he made a miss like the entire season. And I think he's still rehabbing a little bit. Yeah. I mean, 28 points per game. That's nice. That's a, you know, it's a low level starter, a QB, QB two or QB three. If you punted the position, um, I don't hate that. 
Now where? Um, where I'm not sure. <laughs> Can't find do it. You want to, um, do you want to throw these guys on the big board? Do you think, does DJ Irons get a spot? Um, um, considering the rest of the people in here, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think yeah, probably I'd like have him, I'd have them behind. Yeah, I was gonna say behind the maidens and the keens for sure. Guys with some rushing upside, I would take uh, ahead of him or a little bit more known upside, I guess. Um, yeah, I think he fits right in there. And then Gabbert, I think just for CFF, you gotta you gotta pump him up, right? I mm -hmm. mean, if if he can if he can get back to that twenty twenty one production. Um, you know, yeah, I think I yeah, probably, probably I think like, Horn. yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll live with him anywhere in that area. I'm, I'm probably taking Hornsby a lot higher than most of these guys though, just cause I, I think the upside is enormous, but I, I, I don't, don't even know if he's starting, <laughs> but if he does, my friend, <laughs> sure. I, I agree with you. I think if he does, we, we move him yeah, up. But that's but... why we, that's why we put him down a little bit. So yeah, I'm with you. Like the, the Bradley area is awesome for Brett Gabbard. Uh, I guess I'll, I'll touch on a couple of guys that I had here while you're tippity-tapping away. Um, I mean, the one guy that I thought is just must-have talent from this conference from my side was Daquan Finn. I mean, he was good for 31.5 points per game last year, and that was his first year in the system. He had just transferred over from Wyoming. He threw for 2018 and ran for another 600 yards and nine touchdowns. I mean, that is production. And he's still a young kid, too. So I think there's there's upside for this kid. Um, you know, if he's not a Debbie guy, which I think, you know, maybe he's the kind of guy that could make a jump and, you know, get some NFL attention. But that's far away at this point. If he's not, it's almost better for you for CFF, right? Because you'll get two to three more years of just game-changing production out of Finn. Uh, I mean, you know, color me excited if I have him on my teams. I don't know if he's going to be in supplementals, maybe in a very few, but generally he had enough hype last year that he's going to be owned on a team. But, man, he's definitely a guy that I want to hit hard in startups. Yeah. Where do you think Finn fits in? I think he's top five. Top five, yeah. 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 And I think he makes the, the, the Debbie side of the board as well, probably ahead of Hornsby even because he's already done stuff. Probably ahead of Davis Bren, probably ahead of Cordero, right? In Debbie or CFF? Uh, in, in Debbie. Uh, I mean, gosh, he could go ahead of him on both sides, right? Cordero is uh, awesome. Well, what's, what did Cordero go for last year? Well, no, I'm, I'm saying Bren. I really like Bren for CFF just because that Georgia Southern offense is just going to oh, air it oh out. Oh no! Ahead of I'm putting Quan ahead of Finn for uh, for Debbie, but not for CFF. Yeah. I I really hate where you guys put Austin Reed last week on Debbie. Really? <laughs> yeah, Austin Reed's going to get drafted. The rest of these guys, maybe. Like. Uh yeah, I drafted, but like seventh round. Yeah, but is. <laughs> But is Malik Hornsby like guaranteed to get drafted like Reed is? No. No, but he has a shot if he explodes <laughs> to be a little bit more relevant, right? Just because he could be a uh, Malik Willis, right? Like, why can't Hornsby be a Malik Willis and get, you know, round four DC? But if you want to move Austin Reed up, my friend, 
<laughs> I will defer to you. You are, you are the, you're the big brain here, Kyle. I'm just, I'm just along for the ride, making bad jokes, making spreadsheets. Um, all right, we'll, um, we'll throw. Maybe you can drop the next guy while I do these. Well, do you think for CFF would you have Daquan Finn ahead of Siobhan Cordero? Because that's I, where I'm at. That's the question for me. I, I think so. Well, I just so here's the question: Do you project Daquan Finn to progress? Do you project him to get better and have a better year than last year? And if you say yes, then I think you have to put him ahead of Cordero, right? Because they had similar production last year. Cordero was maybe a couple of points a game more, um, but I, I just don't see Cordero really like significantly exceeding that. You? Yeah, I, I, I think it's really close, but I think probably just because of the loss of Elijah Cooks, I'll probably agree with you. So we'll throw them in there. Yeah. And then um, the one quarterback from the East, that's a really big deal in the MAC, would be Curtis Rourke from Ohio. He averaged 32 fantasy points per game last season, um, was the QB 22 um, in all of fantasy football, just because he did miss a couple games with the knee injury and he's still currently recovering. But um, incredible production from him last year led Ohio to the MAC championship um he's another guy who i think is probably top five or six in our rankings as of now yeah i'm with you um where do you want to throw him probably it's uh tough to say ahead of mccall but i think ahead of mccall just because he lost chadwell yeah yeah no i think that's fair I mean, um, and Rourke has his wide receiver one back too, right? Uh-huh. Sam Wiglitz or whatever? Yes, yes, yes. And his second wide receiver, Jacoby Jones. So right. so I think that sets, yeah, sets up well for him to at least have this kind of season again. Um, and that's exciting. And then the only other guy that, that I hit on that, you know, I thought was somewhat relevant was Taylor Powell from Eastern Michigan. I mean, he was a he was a desperation throw him in there. If he needed a guy last year, 21 and a half points, I'm just going to throw him in towards the end of the list. You could do worse if you've severely punted the league and uh, the position and you, you're starting three quarterbacks, you need someone to throw in there. Uh, I mean, not a bad, not a bad play, but nothing to get spectacularly excited about either. Yeah, um, I'm trying to. There, there's probably yeah. I'll throw in one more guy too, Cole Snyder out of Buffalo. He started all all of their games last year, and was his first season starting. He threw for three thousand mm-hmm. passing yards, only eighteen touchdowns though. So those touchdown numbers go up for Buffalo this year, and he's a pretty legit scorer, probably up near 25, 26 points per game. Yeah, is he an underclassman? I believe so. Yeah, I think he's a. He might be a true junior now. I mean, that's that's great though. Yeah, he's a true junior. Yeah, yeah, I'm into that. I would I would bump him up. Um, I don't know. What do you think? Like Wilson range or Clay Millen range? Yeah, I mean, hmm. I think I'd have he's him like not higher. Higher? Yeah, I'm with you. Just think. Um, yeah, I think if you can pro, you know project progression for him, why not? 
Yeah, I think well, I do like that group of guys there runs. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Because I was gonna say that's the only thing about the Maiden and Lagas is those guys run. So if they, you know, nice to have that rushing floor and that thirty point a game upside. Um, so a couple of guys that I thought you know deserved a mention on the player stepping up list. Uh, the one guy you didn't mention on your transfer out was John Paddock from Ball State, who we didn't really care about last year. He wasn't anything special. Um, but um, this was one of the only teams here that I found a good write-up on their spring game. And Kiel Kelly, I'm not sure if I'm saying his name right, could be Kyle, um, got several mentions. Uh, he's coming back. He's been in the program and, uh, you know, was mentioned as a true dual threat, redshirt sophomore, um, and consistently was mentioned ahead of the transfer when the beats were talking about him. Not that that means anything, but you know that that guy is thinking about him first. Um, you know, I guess He's a really good athlete. athlete. Really good athlete, right? Um, they do have Lane Hatcher, who is super experienced transferring in. I think he'll be a sixth-year player this year, fifth-year player, thrown for 10,000 yards in his career. Never been special, but, you know, a competent college quarterback. I think as a CFF player, you're hoping that Kelly takes the job because he's going to be more interesting. Um, you know, we talked about Texas State a lot when we were doing the Sun Belt, and uh, Ball State is definitely a step down, I think, as a passing offense. So um, I don't think Hatcher is even what he was uh, at Texas State this year if he takes the starting position maybe you know you never know how how players are going to coalesce around him but nothing for me to write home about there for sure yeah um for me the transfers jaron lewis is headed from kansas state to kent state he was like the backup last year there um but obviously with schley leaving there's a big hole at the kent state quarterback position it could be lewis it could be a number of like any of the guys they had on the roster last year. It's a very open competition. Um, and then Connor Basilak headed from Indiana to Bowling Green. Um, big drop down from him. Obviously, he started his career at Missouri and was starting games in the SEC. So now he's at Bowling Green, pretty much expected to be the starter. A low SEC caliber type of talent. Like, I mean, he's not – he's too – he's really too good for this conference in some ways. So – I like Basilak at Bowling Green. Bowling Green has a neutral pass rate of 52% over the last three years. So if they're going to air the ball out and they're going to let Basilak run that offense, I, I like him for CFF as well. Yeah, no, he could have some serious upside there. Uh, do they have much of a wide receiver? Yeah, they had um, Odu Hilaire breakout last oh, season yeah. Um, yeah, for yeah. 747 yards, and then they – just got a transfer from, also from Alabama A&M, who was Hilaire's former teammate, who was a FCS All-American last year. So That's very exciting, man. I, I didn't realize that uh, Hilaire had gotten that much of a quarterback upgrade, but um, sounds like they might be an offense to watch. Yeah, so where do you think we should put Basilak? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I, I didn't think he was terrible in the SEC either. I mean, he was never – you know, exciting, but he wasn't a guy that you watched and you thought, oh, um, you know, this guy shouldn't be on the field either. So, um, 
Yeah, I mean, when they played when they played non-con in Missouri when he was starting, he was like a top twenty CFF quarterback before they really got into the meat of the SEC schedule, and he got killed. But yeah. <laughs> like against lower lower tiered opponents, he was really good. Yeah, and he has some talent around him, so you know he might be a sneaky guy uh, to be hitting in the CFF drafts this year. I don't think anyone's talking about Basilek that I've heard particularly, but uh, I'm interested. And where do you put him, though? You know, I mean, do you put him in that Brett Gabbert range? You kind of, like I think so. Yeah, I think that's the upside case for sure. Oh, but you know, it could be the upside case could be even better than that. People giving Odell Hilaire actual NFL buzz too. So you know, if you get an NFL. Uh, wide receiver and an SEC quarterback um, in the MAC, yeah, you're going to cause some damage for sure. No, I, I don't hate that at all. I like it. A couple of the names that I want to mention on my end um, from Central Michigan, where we don't know who's taking the job from Richardson. They had Bert Emanuel last year, which he started a game at like quarterback, but I think it was more. Wildcat, he only had eight passing attempts, but I, but he ran for 500 yards in the year, like not even in full action, and he wasn't the starting running back either. The starting like runner, um, that would have been, uh, gosh, who was the kid that transferred out? Am I struggling? To remember his name? Uh, what did I miss him? Or did they graduate someone? Oh, Lou Nichols. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lou Nichols, yeah, is now on Green Bay, who was awesome last year. So I, I didn't know whether to put him in with the quarterbacks or to put him in with the running back, because I feel like he played more running back last year, um, but he was still referred to by Beats as a quarterback. Um, so I don't know, but if you get a kid with that kind of rushing talent and he gets significant snaps uh, or the bulk of the snaps at quarterback, that could be an interesting thing. And then the other guy that might play there, quarterback Chase Bauer, also is a dual threat. So I think whoever takes that position, there's some shot of them being relevant. Um, but it could also just be a terrible offense. We, we don't really know how it's going to shape out. But I think those are more watch list guys for me at the quarterback position. Um, just because we don't know who's getting it. Um, you don't even know if Emmanuel is going to you know, be there or be a running back. But uh, I think they're definitely names to be aware of as, as we go into to week one. Mm-hmm. Anything else, a quarterback? Or I think I about wrapped no. up. Pretty gross. Any other schools? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there was I mentioned. Not really excited. Yeah, I didn't even bother writing down any of the names for most of the schools. So running backs, um, the one big departure – we just talked about him. Lou Nichols graduated on to Green Bay. Maybe an end of your bench flyer and dynasty there. Uh, you know, um, they do have AJ Dillon in the last year of his contract. They do have uh, an older uh, RB1 and Jones. So, you know, who knows? Maybe he's a guy that gets some snaps. Definitely a bruiser, not a, uh, you know, not an elusive, uh, you know, dynamic running back, but. You know, maybe a guy that could run a couple of tutties in if he gets the work. Um, but I thought there were several other guys that were pretty interesting here for me. Um, I mean, for me, returning uh, in the East part of the conference, you get Samson Evans. Yeah. He scored for 24 points a game last year. He's available in 
almost every supplemental I've done so far uh, and goes like late-ish. You know, we did the one startup so far this year and he was, you know, back half the startup, last quarter of it. Um, you know, went for 11.66 and 15 touchdowns last year. Maybe you get some touchdown regression there, but maybe you don't. I mean, he's he's the focal point of that offense and uh, certainly a lot of value there in him uh, with how late he's going in these drafts. <coughs> yeah, so um, a lot of my side of running backs were pretty disappointing. Um, Buffalo still runs the ball kind of like they used to under Leipold, but there's no longer a Jarrett Patterson type who's mm. taking it all. It's very much a split backfield. Um, last year it was Mike Washington and Ron Cook Jr. who basically split the backfield 50-50. Both of them had 600, 600 rushing yards. Uh, Washington had seven touchdowns. He had 12.2 fantasy points per game last year. Um, Cook coming off injury. Washington could take a bigger share, in which case I'm a little interested, but not super excited. Um, Bowling Green. During during COVID back in 2020, they had a running back breakout named Terrion Stewart. He uh, averaged 100 yards and a touchdown in the three games they played during COVID. And he was, he was good. And... Going into 2021, he um, had a pretty okay season, led that backfield again, but then was injured and missed all of last year. So he was replaced by Jason Patterson, who had 583 rushing yards and one rushing touchdown as the Bowling Green rushing leader. So not very exciting, but um, both backs on the field this year, it'll probably be even more murky and disappointing. Yeah. Yeah, maybe interesting if Terry and Stewart, for some reason, you know, grabs the RB one role. But with that as a committee, it's probably- it doesn't it doesn't sound like he is. It sounds very committee. Like yeah. one of the, one of the reports I read was like they plan to use like four backs. So <laughs> could, could be could be not very good at all. Yeah. You read that and you just move on. You just keep it moving. You know, nothing yeah. to see here. Um, but- but really the big name on the eastern side of the Mac is Cy Bangura coming back for Ohio. He uh, w- was given 222 carries last season, turned that into 1,000 yards and 13 touchdowns, added 27 receptions and two receiving touchdowns, good for 23.63 points per game, was the RB14 on the season. So a very productive CFF running back there. Yeah, it sounds like Ohio has – most of their pieces going back. Yeah, pretty much everybody comes back for Ohio, and that's the team that won the MAC last year. So they'll they'll very likely be pretty darn good. I thought Toledo won the MAC. Oh, Ohio might have just won the East. Yeah, maybe they won the East. Yeah. Yeah, they played in the um, MAC championship. Yeah, see, see, goes early in these drafts, though. I mean, I've been seeing him go like a fourth, fifth round pick, and I don't. I mean, yeah, the production's awesome, but how much better is he than? Samson Evans, who goes at the end of the drafts. I don't know. I mean, I know we're just looking for small edges in these things. They're pretty flat drafts, but, um, you know, he's definitely got all the hype. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's let's go to the the table here, the, the sheet. I think Bengura and Evans pretty much are going to end up back-to-back. 
And yeah, with that, I mean, I think Bangura got a lot more passing work. I didn't write down um, what Evans' receiving work was, but I don't think it was impressive. We'll look it up. Yeah, I mean, they both averaged, you know, 20, low 20s points per game last season. Oh, actually, yeah, Evans averaged – oh, but Evans got the 15 tutties. That's why he was so – Yeah, bad. he also had 15 receptions. But, yeah. I mean, even as a junior, he had 13 tutties on just 83 carries. I mean, he he is the touchdown guy there, so I don't think it's it's not necessarily. I think we think of touchdowns as not sticky because they definitely aren't in the NFL, but I kind of think they are in college yeah. more so. Particularly if one guy is getting all the opportunities, you know, you're going to get yeah. in frequently enough. So I guess Jalen White or C. Bangura. That's where I was at. Or Harrison Whaley or C. Bangura. I mean, Whaley's in a new offense. What's Wyoming going to look like? Are they going to be any good, or are they going to be horrible? Yeah. Yeah, good question. I mean, I could – I think Whaley's really talented. That's why we have him as high as we do. But I, – I, I think they both go ahead. Yeah. Finger and Evans. I just think we have more information about it, you know, which also mm-hmm. makes me think about our, our – our, um, ranking of Whaley. <laughs> Maybe have him too high. Might be optimistic. <laughs> but you'd always move him around. But yeah, I think I'm with you. I need to go right in two and three. And then the one guy that um I didn't get to, I just ran out of voice. Got a cold here. Uh Antario Brown. I mean he's got to be pretty damn high on the board too. Mm-hmm. Last year he went for 689 yards and seven in a tandem with Whaley, who we both think Salad did. Uh, I mean, that offense does nothing but run, run, run the ball. He did get, uh, I guess, fairly talented transfer in. Gavin Williams coming down from the P5 level where he had had some moments in his first season with Iowa, Mm -hmm. but then just did not, wasn't able to do anything last year. I mean, I don't know if that's more about Caleb Mm -hmm. Jackson being good and stealing his lunch or about Williams being not really a P5 talent, but – Nonetheless, I think they're both interesting, uh, but you'd have to think Ontario is the guy, and Ontario is is very interesting if he can stay healthy. I don't see why he can't be, you know, a thousand to twelve hundred yards total, and you know, seven or eight total tutties easily. I honestly think there's a question with Bangura and Evans versus Frank Gore. Bangura yeah, and Evans I mean, both averaged more points last season. Throw them up there, man. No, I mean, I, I think it's valid. I think Frank Gore, I think we, we give the name value a little cachet. Um, I, I just think he's probably a little bit more talented than them in real life. Yeah, uh, yeah. But, but, you know, real life ain't fantasy football, right? So, Bangura or Evans is the question. I, I mean, it's funny. Evans actually produced more last year. And I think they both have similar situations in terms of a lot of pieces coming back in the offense. I want to say Bangura first, but I, why not Samson? I, I don't know. <laughs> What's the argument there? Yeah. I don't know. Um, it's one of those things where we, should, if we had done really good research, we'd know if, if they brought back their offensive line. <laughs> That's true. That's true. It, that'd, be, that'd be deep. we got to get deeper, Kyle. Yeah, oh, my goodness. How much, this- <laughs> how, much, how much time are we? <laughs> <laughs> Let's say we need a... 
24 so, hour research session before I it does look like it does look like Eastern Michigan had an offensive lineman go in round four of the draft and he was considered the best offensive lineman in the Mac. Mm. Um, so, so I think C. So C in there. And then what do we do with Ontario? Because, you know, our experience there has been it's gonna be it's gonna be a committee, but it might not matter, right? Yeah. I mean I like Jalen White more. I think Webb would Damien, Yeah, Webb is close. I mean, Webb averaged nineteen point seven three points per game last season. I mean Peasant was better than uh Webb just in pure production, but I think we were kind of thinking Webb was going to do better than that this year because of the coaching changes there, right? Some some kind of change about Webb. We, we're excited about him. If I know how to spell peasant, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Peasant, peasant averaged 15 points a game last season. Oh, he really? Yeah. Oh, gosh, I thought he was more than that. <laughs> um, all right, well, my bad. So I think you throw Ontario above Peasant for sure. Yeah. Ontario or Webb's the question for me. Yeah. I think you stick here. Stay with Webb above? or Yeah, I'm cool with that. Gosh, I didn't realize how much better Evans was than most of these guys last year. So and I'm then, like, this, right? yeah. And then I think Gavin Williams – Probably comes in like right below Terrence Gibbs, I, maybe I below Sherrod. Um, yeah, I think um, Williams in CFF Dynasty you're really interested in, and in C2C because well, actually, I think Ontario is pretty young though, right? Is Ontario a junior? Maybe. I think so. I was just wondering if, like, you know, is Evans the next guy up there? Yeah, Ontario is listed as a junior on fan drafts, but whatever that means. He's played, yeah, he's got two seasons production, so maybe it was a Juco guy. Yeah, I, William's on the list somewhere for sure. I'm comfortable for you putting him. Yeah, I think um, I think right below GT is good. They're both, you know, one Bs in their backfield, and I think GT is probably a better player. A better player for sure. Um, I guess one other name to know: uh, Toledo. Their leading rusher last year was Jarquez Stewart, who is listed as an RB slash wide receiver in Fantrax. They did have him in a dual role. It just wasn't very fruitful for fantasy football. I mean, ten and a half points a game—that's not anything you want to start. I guess there's some upside if he gets more volume. But for me, you know, going through this, the only guy I really wanted at Toledo was Daquan. Um, and then I had a couple of guys that could be stepping up, right? I talked about Burt Emanuel earlier. I feel like they're going to play him at running back this year. If they do, I mean, Lou Nichols was, was very good for fantasy last year. Yeah. Um, you know, Bert, Bert Emanuel was, I want to say he's like, he, he was as a recruit, like 6'1", 195. That's big enough. He could be playing at, one, you know, 205 this year and, um, you know, really causing some harm. 
um, you know, with the position, particularly if he put up that kind of production last year, not even being, you know, a career running back, right? I mean, we, we see these guys a lot that convert from quarterback, like, you know, Quentin Jackson, right? That, mm-hmm. uh, that, that can turn into really good running backs as they get experience. So he's a guy I'm interested in. Do I need to draft him right now? No, but I, I'm going to be aware of the name. Uh, and if he blows up week one, I'm on that. Um, <clears throat> the other guy that could be the next guy up there for me was Marion Lutz. I feel he's a name that was bandied about a little bit last year. Definitely has some legit speed, uh, apparently a 4-4-6 guy, um, and had a game last year where he went for 162 rushing yards, two tutties, caught another four balls for 71 yards and touchdown. I mean, if that kid is the RB1 on that team, I'm into it, uh, and I'm really interested in that. I just don't know who it's going to be. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I I think there's some very interesting uh, running backs in this transfer section. So I think we can jump in over there. Um, leaving the conference, a big, the biggest one really is Carson Steele. I mean, Steele's been a top 10 running back for the past two seasons, if I'm remembering correctly. He leaves Ball State, goes to UCLA, and Ball State finds his replacement from inside the conference with Marquez Cooper out of Kent State. Um, obviously one of those guys who left when the head coach left, um, Cooper's a guy who averaged almost 20 points per game last year, um, goes to ball state. Who's run the ball a ton with Carson Steele. Definitely a very interesting player who, you know, could easily jump into that top five, six guys we have for CFF. Um, also leaving the conference, uh, Sean Tyler from Western Michigan. He was really good last year. He goes to Minnesota, so he's going to probably see a, a, a drop down, but um, good for him, I guess. And then Cam Wiley left Akron. He was their uh, leading back last season, um, their their lead back who got 300 rushing yards. So <laughs> not very not very impressive rushing attack out of Akron. They were very pass-heavy, but um, they do actually replace him, though, with a transfer who's pretty interesting. Lorenzo Lingard, the former five-star recruit who went to Miami and then transferred to Florida, is now at Akron. And um, Joe Moorhead said he had a great spring. I think that's interesting. I mean, that's like, you know, we have Sean Dollars on the list. I think that's like kind of Sean Dollars type interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, um, and then... Also, you know, a couple other guys transferred down um, from Power 5 programs to the MAC at running back position, and those are the guys that usually pop off in the MAC. So um, Kai Thomas, um, I love this get for Kent State. I mean, they they lost Marquez Cooper. They replaced him with Kai Thomas. Um, Thomas was at Kansas last year after transferring from Minnesota. Didn't really latch on with Lance Leopold to Kansas was the RB2 to Devin Neal, and Devin Neal kind of just took over. And But in 2021, behind Mo Ibrahim in Minnesota, he had 166 carries for 824 yards and six touchdowns. And the new Kent State head coach is the former Minnesota running back coach. So these two reunite in Kent State. Um, he'll probably – he's very likely to get the job. He's competing with a um, – redshirt so- or a true sophomore, Gavin Garcia, 
Um, I really like Kai Thomas as the Kent State RB1. Yeah, I mean, I was I was into him in Minnesota, was really hoping he would get that job. I think Trayson Potts kind of just outshined him a little bit uh, that year that Ibrahim was hurt. Um, you know, and he, he had a couple of decent reps last year, just was playing behind Devin Neal. You know, Devin Neal's probably an NFL caliber back, you know, maybe a yeah. D3 guy, but a real talent. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm super into Kai Thomas. And I, he's honestly, he's probably owned in some leagues. I know I still have him on the back end of the roster here and there. But I think he'll probably be floating around in some drafts that are available this summer. And then also transferring down, Rashad Amos from South Carolina goes to Miami of Ohio. Uh, he's a redshirt sophomore now. He was the RB70 in his high school class. Um, he's only had 15 carries over the past two seasons at South Carolina, but the South Carolina coaches had some good things to say about him back when he was there during spring practices. And he's... Uh, been the talk of the town in Miami in terms of the running back position. Um, they're just really impressed by his shiftiness and uh, burst. So could be a player to watch there. And then um, I'll let you hit on Keyshawn King. Yeah, Keyshawn King's got a lot of hype so far this year. I know the CTC guys are pretty high on him for a couple of reasons. One, like we said, anyone really transferring down from P5, to the G5 levels, always someone you want to keep an eye on. I mean, he got some work last year at Virginia Tech, uh, 74 carries, 440 yards, three tutties in a committee. And now he is going down to Western Michigan, uh, where we do see him having some significant opportunity. As Kyle was talking about earlier, Western Michigan does have an HC change. And they're moving to potentially a system that has been really favorable for running backs. Um, so, you know, we're hopeful that that might turn into fantasy points for Keyshawn King. No one else there on the roster I really thought was worth talking about. Um, Sean Tyler, who was the guy there last year, is out. He is at Minnesota. We got the, the wheel going around here. Um, but, uh, you know, and, and Sean Tyler playing well there, if that's an interesting thing to you. He's apparently the RB1 there so far this year over uh, Zach Evans. Zach Evans. Who, yeah, a lot of us like. Tyler's playing ahead of him in spring ball. We'll deal with that more when we get to that conference. But Keyshawn King is going to be free in all of your supplementals. He is owned by no one anywhere unless it's someone else that's chasing the hype from this spring. Uh, you know, I don't see why he can't be a thing, you know, uh, probably the same talent level as Tyler. So, you know, a thousand yards, pencil him in, I think. So let's rank these guys in terms of each other. And then I think we'll put them in the list. So Marquez Cooper, Kai Thomas and Keyshawn King, I think are the clear top three. So how do you rank those three? I mean, you got to stick with Cooper. He's just done it. He's been awesome for fantasy. Uh, what was he? Twenty-two points a game last year, or something like that. I believe, like I believe, like high nineteen. Yeah. So, so, I mean, that is, I think, unless you're really projecting increased production, that no, dude, twenty-four point six uh -huh. last year. Yeah, at least in the league I'm living in, can't. <laughs> so, that is that's big boy production, and uh, do you feel worse about the Kent State system because? Uh, obviously they just lost everyone. They've had their program gutted and you felt about him. Uh, but he's at Ball State. 
Okay. <laughs> so we think Ball State is a parallel move for him then? I think in terms of last year to this year, like, yeah. Because Carson Steele, I mean, they, they're willing to run the ball and they're going to run the ball a lot. So, I, I mean, I think he's got to be in that Evans score tier. Yeah. I think I think you could put him ahead of C2 and I wouldn't complain about it. Ooh. What do you think? I think in between Evans and Gore. Yeah, I'm with that. That works. Lots of Mac running backs moving guys yeah. down here. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. I wonder if it's a some level of a recency effect, or I think we are thinking about it in more context now than we did uh, on the early ones. Um, so who's next for you? Um, Kai Thomas. Yeah. Yeah, I don't see why not, right? He's already got an 800-yard season under his belt, um, you know, going to a system that produced a 1,300-total-yards guy last year, uh, which I think, you know, like we talked about, they're probably not going to be as good this year, right? They just yeah. got a ding, but, hey, maybe that means they lean on the run more. Um, I mean, yeah, and I, he has familiar, familiarity with the system because, I mean, this is his coach when he was at Minnesota, so um, – I, I think he'll fit right in. That's the RB1 for Kent State. So you want him? I think he's above Ontario. I think where's the sure. relation to Webb and White for you? Probably above Webb. White's close. Yeah, I think Kai Thomas hasn't even gotten drafted in most of the supplemental ones that I've seen either. Wow. So he's free money. I feel like he's probably owned in a lot of them already. Yeah. Um, but I haven't seen anyone pick him that I've noticed. The CFF drafts, people are on him for sure. Mm -hmm. All those best balls. Jake's running. He goes fairly highly. But yeah, I'm, I'm with him there. And then Keyshawn King, I think we're we're doing a lot of projection there. But, I mean, I think it's easy to project him if he wins the starting job to be a fruitful running back. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know. how How strongly do you feel about that system and – you know, are you penciling him in automatically for a thousand and eight, or are you more cautious? I don't know. I think I'm. I think I'm cautious with the the coaching change, and you know, um, like what else do they have? Yeah, it's the thing. So, like, I, I I haven't taken. I've been on King, but I haven't taken him in any of these drafts yet because I mean, am I taking him or Eldridge? Like, the upside for Eldridge if he hits is eighteen hundred total yards. You know. <laughs> Kylan Hines, the upside's 50 catches. Like, I'm taking yeah. those guys ahead of him. Yeah, um, I am too. So, where do you put him here? Jeez. I think in that it, range, the, though, right? Yeah. Trot I mean, the, him versus Gibbs is interesting because Gibbs is like pure production, projection. Pure production. Gibbs has Honestly, not played it down. <laughs> I, I feel like we're... I, like, I'm probably not actually drafting Gibbs. Although, honestly, I'm not drafting most of these guys there. I think a lot of them would go undrafted from that point under. Um, you know, if you're taking Gibbs in a C2C in that range, you're just looking for NFL upside. And just it's silence, silence in the spring. Yeah. I think so, in a real draft, I'm taking Sherrod over Gibbs. So let's, let's just yeah. do that. Yeah. And then um, and I think that's where King's got to go, somewhere in that range, right? Yeah, I think right below Sherrod and above uh, Gibbs, above Gibbs is good. I'm cool with that. Um, 
do we need to put any of these guys on the board for um for Debbie? Um I can hmm. see Cooper being a, a scat back. Yeah, I could see Bengura or Evans being like a power back too. Yeah. Like a really late draft power back. I mean, um, what's the difference between Kamani, Vidal, and, and these guys? I think they're better than Vidal, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. So good them on there. Rashin Ali. I think they I think they both go on and they both go on in that range. Your guys that could get, you know, if they smash this year, could get day three capital pretty easily. Mm-hmm. Depending on testing and stuff like that, right? I mean, if they're running four eights, they're they're not. But um, yeah, I think you can project some kind of reasonable NFL upside for them. You know, I'll throw them in. What about Antonio Brown? Uh, for the NFL? Yeah. Yeah, why not? I think here's good. I mean, we've seen Northern Illinois back succeed in the NFL, right? Yeah, or, yeah, or, yeah, yeah. Um, or transfer up, you never know. Yeah. Um, Lingard, is he – you have to talk about him anymore? Do you have to rank him? I, I threw him in the Debbie right above Darquez Stewart and below Kyrie Robinson. I, I think there's a chance. I mean, he was so talented out of high school. Like, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyone else here? I'm really interested in whoever gets the Central Michigan job. So I threw – Mary and Luke's down mm-hmm. at the bottom of both um, both pages because I just don't know what he's going to do. But I think if he gets the job, he's going to be a really valuable piece. Um, you know, plus it's, it, if he actually has four four six speed, uh, yeah, he wasn't he's yeah. not a big guy, but he was he, he you know his recruit he was five nine like one hundred ninety five. I mean, you know, you put sense. a couple twelve hundred yards your seasons on your resume. And uh, bulk up to 205, and, yeah, you're a day three NFL pick all day. Mm-hmm. Kai Thomas, does he go on that Debbie at all? Yeah. Uh, I feel like transferring down is yeah. not great for your NFL process. No. no. Probably not. All right. Anything else at running back? Or are we done there? No, I think we go straight into wide receiver. And um, it's a conference that lost quite a bit at wide receiver, so we'll – We'll fly through all that real quick. Uh, Shockey Jacques Louise was the uh, leading wide receiver at Akron last year with 931 yards. He graduates. Mac Hippenhammer from Miami, Ohio graduates. Johannes Tyler from Ball State. Justin Marshall from Buffalo. And Cole Tucker from Northern Illinois also all graduate. Um, all had pretty decent seasons, were the wide receiver ones for their team. And then the transfers out is a pretty big one here because all these guys are moving up which is really impressive. Uh, Tyrone Broden, a uh, massive wide receiver from Bowling Green, who really broke out as a freshman last year, is headed to Arkansas. He's gotten rave reviews at the Arkansas spring camp, so that's an interesting one. Tez Walker out of Kent State going to UNC. He's projected to be the UNC wide receiver one, um, so lots of talent leaving. Uh, Ja'Shawn Polk from Kent State 
also moving up to the power power five, going to Western Virginia or just West Virginia, you know, Dante Cephas from Kent state going to Penn state and then Corey Crooms headed from Western Michigan to Minnesota. So, I mean, five guys from the Mac going to the power five at wide receiver, pretty impressive, which also means got a lot of talent to replace. So yeah, for sure. Um, Who's going to do it, Kyle? That's my question. Who's going to do it? Who's the guys? Yeah, Akron threw the ball a lot last year. They were down a lot, so they threw a lot. Um, And it was a three-headed attack. Shockey Jock Louise, Alex Adams, and Daniel George. Adams and George are both still in town. Alex Adams is a guy that I really like for CFF. Um, He was my second-round pick in the supplemental for the, the program this year. Um, obviously, no no freshman in that draft, so uh, just returners. But he's a former LSU signee, played his first two seasons at LSU, had like one reception, but transferred to Akron last year and put up 63 receptions, 856 yards, and nine touchdowns, good for 19.86 points per game, and the wide receiver 25 on the season would have been a little higher if he didn't miss a game. And then Daniel George was the wide receiver three at Akron last year. Will probably step up and be the wide receiver two. Uh, he had 67 receptions for 793 yards and two touchdowns. So I'm uh, pretty darn excited about both those guys. I think George is a guy who's really under the radar too because of those those two touchdowns let, um, kind of capped his CFF point total. So mm. a guy that's pretty far down the list for a lot of people. That's interesting. And of course, Odio 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 Hilary. I think it's like Adu, but with an O. So Odu 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 Hilary. I mean, he's gotten a ton of hype. He's making top twenty-five returning wide receivers lists. He's making NFL draft watch lists. Um, and then we're talking about in the in the quarterback section getting a significant upgrade at quarterback. I mean, he could be he could be a big thing this year. Yeah, really caught a lot of people off guard transferring up from Alabama and A&M last season. Um, But a big season nonetheless. And obviously Bowling Green loses Tyrone Broden. So, I mean, even more opportunity to uh, be the one. And then um, Sam Wigless is coming back at Ohio. He had 73 receptions, 877 yards, and 11 touchdowns last season. Good for the wide receiver 12 on the year. So a big season from him last year returns as quarterback. Um, Ohio returns all their players, as we've mentioned. So expect another good season from him. And then alongside him was Jacoby Jones. He was a, a massive deep threat for Ohio because he had 777 receiving yards on just 45 receptions. Yeah. That's nice. <laughs> um, so six touchdowns to go along with that ends up being 12.86 points per game. If he can get into a role where he gets a few more, receptions and gets those PPR numbers up. He'll be a a, a good CFF wide receiver. Yeah. And then a couple of last guys out of the the Western conference was Jerjohn Newton, who uh, is returning. He's going to be a fifth year player uh, for eight thirty and nine tutties last year, 14 points per game wide receiver 50 ish and Trayvon Rudolph, who, I somehow forgot, although he is one of my favorite G5 <laughs> players. Uh, this kid blew up in his second year um, as a player at NIU and then was hurt immediately after. But his 2021 20, season, 
He had nearly 900 yards and seven touchdowns. Uh, he's a, a little bit of a slimmer guy, but uh, someone that we were talking about with legitimate Debbie upside a couple of years ago, excited to see what he can do this year. And he is the guy there. There's no one else. No one mm-hmm. there had more than uh, 500 yards last year. So he yeah, the Rudolph show all over. Looking back at 2021 in terms of um, just that season, he was like the second best wide receiver in the country in terms of weighted dominator rating over average and fourth best in terms of receiving yards per team pass attempt over average. So, I mean, he was up there with guys like Josh Downs, Jordan Addison, and Jackson Smith and Jigba. Like, this is a guy who was like insanely productive for the lack of uh, pass attack for NIU back in 2021. So if he comes back to that kind of form, he'll be a, a very good CFF asset and possibly a Debbie guy. Yeah, love to see it. Uh, all right, you got a couple of stepping up guys here too. Yeah. And then we'll rank. Yeah, well, uh, yeah. So Kent State, obviously, as I've mentioned, has lost everybody at the wide receiver position. Um, Trell Harris is the guy coming back with the most returning production and that most returning production is 13 receptions last season for 136 yards and a touchdown. Um, I mean, somebody has to catch passes. So um, I like Trill Harris there. Could be their wide receiver one. Did well in the spring game. So that's an interesting player. Uh, Miles Walker at Akron is a redshirt freshman this season who did not play last year. Um as I said, that was a three-receiver system last year, and they lose Chucky Jack Louise, so there's uh, room to step up at that wide receiver three. Walker was the most impressive wide receiver in the spring game. Alex Adams didn't play all spring, so Walker got the opportunity and apparently seized it. And then Miles Marshall at Miami of Ohio is the only wide receiver who got a pass for them last year who is still on the roster. He is a six-foot-four senior who um, had 390 re- receiving yards and two touchdowns in his first season there at Miami after starting his career at Indiana. So another guy who transferred down in the past um, and has the opportunity to catch passes from Brett Gabbard this year in uh, what was a highly productive passing offense in the past. Interesting. Uh, I think some transfers in too. I mean, we've got a lot of information here. Any of those guys? Sounds like Abdul Fatai Ibrahim is is the guy there, right? That we really didn't talk about. Yeah, so he comes from Alabama AM and is going to Bowling Green. He was a former teammate of Odu Hilaire back at Alabama AM, and he was a 2021 FCS All American. He had over 2,000 receiving yards in two seasons combined. So, I mean, this is a guy with. Um, a, a good FCS career heading to Bowling Green. He only has one year of eligibility left, um, but he will probably be in for a decent season. And then um, the other guy also coming from the FCS that I thought was a little interesting was Gage Larvading from su- Southeastern Louisiana heading to Miami of Ohio. As I said, Miami has one guy who, Caught a pass last year, still on the roster. Larvadian's a five foot ten, one hundred sixty pound slot wide receiver. Was the 
Southeastern Louisiana's conference's freshman of the year back in 2021, put up 59 receptions, 731 yards in 2022. Has a similar build to Matt Kippenhammer, could be that kind of slot replacement guy. So I think he's a little interesting. And then uh, Darrell Harding Jr. is transferring down from Duke to Buffalo. He's a grad transfer, already graduated from Duke. Um, wasn't much at Duke, but this Buffalo wide receiver core is barren as it comes. So um, he could, you know, maybe have a six, 700-yard season. Yeah, right. And then you one freshman you highlighted here, Jared Kelly at Kent State. Seems like a hybrid type guy. Maybe you got some explosive traits. Could he get a role? Maybe. We don't know. Yeah, wide open depth chart for him, for sure. So a lot of guys here to rank. I where do we start? I think we start with where do you want to start? Start for Turners. Um, yeah, start with I mean, I, some some easy guys like Wigless and Adams. Yeah. So who's your who's your top CFF guy out of this group? I think Adams. Um, like the, that nineteen points per game last season is just ridiculous. Like yeah, that's pretty nice. That it, let. Like, that's top 10 if he plays every game. So, I mean, Tyron Smith or Alex Adams? I like Adams. I. You like him over Ashton Hawkins? I think I like him over Horton. <laughs> really? I mean, Horton was top 20 last year, right? Pretty much has the same... I mean, Horton's got, like, the same circumstances coming back, right? Torrey Horton averaged 20.58 fancy points per game. Yeah. Okay. I just I – yeah, I have a hard time putting him on I get that. But, I mean, Ashton Hawkins, he outproduced him. I think we see some upside for Hawkins this year, right? With, yeah, with a different system. Texas yeah. State, um, but also some other guys that could be in play there. So, um, I'd be comfortable with that range anywhere – Hawkins, Smith, Burgess. I think any of those guys are pretty the same upside. But I guess it's the guy that that just did it. Yeah, you know? and and Tyron Smith without you know Zakari Franklin being there could be really interesting too. Could smash, you know. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, I like him more than the Georgia Southern guys though, because just because there are two Georgia Southern guys right there, like that's a a split core right. when when Adams is probably going to be the the main guy. I, I am with you. I mean, like I would, yeah, I, I think that's it. I think you could put him anywhere in that Hawkins to Smith range, but I'm cool for sure with him above Burgess. But I think, I think for me, God, my cold's making me sound like Pee Wee Herman. <laughs> I think for me, honestly, I'm, I'm interested in Odell Hilaire. Honestly, I just think the talent levels there, he gets a significant upgrade at the quarterback position. Uh, I think he's the next guy up for me. Would you agree? You like him over Wigless? Wigless. Uh, was Wigless the wide receiver 12 last year? Did he play extra games? Is that what it is? It might be. That's just. I just don't understand how he had a lower. Fan tracks. Yeah. Um. I mean, I like Wigless for CFF for sure. 
I'm personally I may have, probably I may have done the points per game in like two different leagues with different scoring I, systems. I think you must have, yeah. And that's <laughs> probably why like I had Cooper so high too, right? As opposed to you. Um, yeah. Probably should get a we should probably get a Devido standard league. <laughs> one of the ones we're both in and use that um, moving forward. Um, we do like ballers or born and raised or something. Um, I but yeah, he's listed as the wide receiver eleven on this one I'm looking at now, but still only sixteen point five five points per game. Yeah, it's kind of weird. I just did he play extra weird. games? Is what I'm wondering. The counting bowl scats or something? Maybe. So I think for in a C to C, I'm a thousand percent taking Odell Hilaire over almost any of these guys. I could see Bigless yeah. over him for CFF. But oh I yeah, he has 14 games played. Yeah, right. So I mean, I'm really more interested in the points per game than I am anything else. Um, but uh, yeah, I think I think that range is good for both of them, honestly. Like if I'm on the clock staring down Alaire or Caleb Hood, I'm probably taking Alaire personally. Um, but again, I'm always I'm always drafting with at least somewhat of a Debbie slant for oh, better yeah. or for worse. Um, yeah, I, I think it's CFF a tough guys. call between him and Burgess, but yeah, I for think. CFF, I I think you could. I'm okay with. Burgess first, if that's how you feel about it. Some people, I think, like Hood more than Burgess, too. But I think you and I both decided um, Burgess was more the volume guy, right? Whereas Hood was like a deep threat guy there. I think that's why we liked him more. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm cool with Hilaire anywhere in that range that you're comfortable with him. Even like, I think I'm definitely ahead, have him ahead of Ricky White because Ricky White's all projection. Well, Ricky Wright was good last year, is it too? He, he was good, but uh, from reading the spring reports, there's other guys that were getting hype as well. I don't think we're sure that it's the Ricky White show and nothing else because they did obviously use two wide receivers last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so, is Trayvon, where are you taking Trayvon for CFF? Yeah, that's tough. I mean, like, no passing volume, but he was a touchdown machine. That first year. I think like below Colin Lacey. Because I like Lacey a lot. Yeah. Yeah, Lacey was good. Lacey's got a... a, Lacey has some changing circumstances this year. Did he transfer? No. No, he transferred last year. Yeah. Yeah, I'm cool with that. Um, Uh, They graduated their best wide receiver, Jared Wayne. Oh, that's that's Jalen Wayne, right? Yeah, so Lacey could smash. Um, then who else we really have to rank here? So, uh, Judge John Newton should be on our list somewhere, but I think he's kind of in a lower range, right? I think like below Rucker, yeah, yeah. I'm definitely taking Rucker over him. Gosh, this wide receiver list gets ugly at the bottom. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Those I mean, are just again, names. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, their names have some upside, though. You know, like a guy like Reggie Brown could crush or he could do nothing. Cyrus yeah. Allen could be awesome. Here, 
Um, I think Jacoby Jones from Ohio deserves to be somewhere in here. Um, yeah, the same, just just a guy list. Yeah, I think there's less projection though, because he's a guy who did stuff last year. So yeah, right, right. As like Corrales and below, I think is a lot of proje- projection. I think you got to put Abdul Fatai on there as well somewhere. I mean, yeah, especially considering we have like Raphael Williams in here, and I think uh, probably like here. He's a guy that was, you know, yeah, an FCS All American, but like. Jeez, man, I'm a pretty big Christian Watson fan. You know, there's no no saying that FCS guys can't come up and, and make a real impact. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, somewhere in there for sure. And then honestly, Especially when we guys, just saw Bowling Green do it with Hilaire. Exactly. And, I, I mean, honestly, I, I, both the Bowling Green guys deserve to be on our Debbie list too. Um, mm-hmm. I think Hilaire, honestly, Hilaire is getting buzz from draft people. And most of these other guys aren't. I think he goes right behind Corley. Uh, yeah, I'd put him above Cor- Corley. Oh, yeah, cool. Corey Horton? Did you put him first? I put yeah, him first I list. put him first. I'm also just going to move Michael Matheson up because... to be on the Debbie list too. Yeah. Pretty high on the Debbie list, right? Mm-hmm. Ahead of Corley, ahead of Torton. I'd say ahead of Corley. Probably below Horton. Just because of the injury. Right. If not for that, probably higher. Um I think we give uh, Alex Adams a, a nod. You think he's that talented? Yeah, I mean he's a he's a he's a SEC recruit. Um, right. A lot of players had trouble getting it, cracking the LSU rotation back when he was there. That's um, true. And you had guys who were at LSU like Racy McMath with like 15 receptions who ended up getting drafted during that Get time. Drafted. Yeah, and, and, and getting on the field. Racy McMath has played some significant snaps. Uh, and that's just because they suck. But well, <laughs> no one is disputing that, my friend. Um, all right. Anything else at wide receiver? I mean, that's a lot of information. Um, definitely changed our lists quite a bit. Yeah, I think um, maybe we throw Trell Harris and Miles Marshall down here in the depths of the CFF list as well. Yeah.
we finally have some names at the tight end position. <laughs> no, way. actually, actually give an F about. Um, <laughs> so, uh, two guys, both from Ball State, that were relevant last year, and I think they're both particularly interesting for a couple of reasons. One, nothing there at wide receiver at Ball State. Two. For both of these guys, it was their first year playing the position. Or it was for Brady Hunt. It was his first year, primarily as a tight end. He played some snaps at quarterback the year previous. He is a he is a senior this year. He was a junior last year. It was his first year as a full time tight end at Ball State. And then Tanner Koizal or Koziol, I'm not sure how you pronounce it, uh, came in behind Brady Hunt. <coughs> caught 35 passes for 373 yards and seven touchdowns as a freshman. So Brady Hunt was a Brady Hunt was a redshirt freshman last year. They they were both freshmen. They they were both freshman all Americans. I think I, I believe you. <laughs> Brady Hunt on sports reference was listed as a junior. On the Ball State website he's a redshirt sophomore for this year, so believe you. Maybe he's uh was he a Juco guy? Would he be No. Just a quarterback as Retro here. Yeah, they have yeah, they have him as a freshman the twenty twenty one season and they have him listed as a junior the twenty twenty two season. But whatever, it's probably just an error or data entry. Yeah, that, yeah, that doesn't make any there. sense. <laughs> it's not really how that works. <laughs> yeah. Um well anyways, both of them super interesting. Uh, I don't know about you. I love guys breaking out early. Uh, for me, that shows some Debbie potential. You can come in as an 18, 19-year-old kid and not only win a job, produce against guys that are, I mean, in the MAC, these guys can be four years older than you. And you're coming mm -hmm. in and doing work right away. Uh, which one do I prefer? I don't know, man. I, I, I think, you know, Koziol came in a little bit younger. I think you you did what I would do for, for CFF, uh, for, for Debbie is for sure. For CFF, I think it's Brady Hunt, right? First, what do you think? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Hunt was I, the the more. I think you, and I think you take him over everyone, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. For sure, I take both of them over everyone. Yeah. Yeah. I think the only other name worth talking about um we did have a, a graduation joel wilson went on i think he's he made the nfl roster yeah he's, he's really small he was a really great cff tight end but too small yeah so hey yeah how interested are you are you in these guys are you drafting Koziol and hunt are you, are you interested in them Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know if I hmm. – issues you have to, like, spend more than I want to spend on a tight end in that range. Um, but it's probably worth it because they could probably be top five guys. Yeah, particularly if one or the other transfers out, the other could be yeah. uh, really, you know, an eight, eight, 900-yard guy uh, if they dominate the work in that offense. I think they're both significant talents. I don't think they're just Jags that stumbled into 400 yards as, as 19 year olds. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, 
I tend to like punt the position after, you know, after I miss on Bowers and whatever. Mm-hmm. But I bet these are guys you could get in the 14th round of your supplemental, though. Matt Cozio actually has a little bit of draw mm, to the new. I don't think so. Maybe, maybe eighth, ninth I, I think they're round. both going early. I mean, yeah. Hunt was the tight end six last year. Cozio oh, was, was the tight end, yeah, 10. Cozio was tight end 10. 500 yards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wild. It's gross. I think they must have had extra games, though, right? I just, how was he? What was Sado Triori with his 600 yards? I feel like that's a tight end two Five. Or something. five. Oh, wow. No, Hunt. Hunt says 12 games. I mean, yeah, there's guys like Joel Wilson, like Dalton Kincaid would obviously be above them, but they both got hurt. Got it. They, they, um, yeah, right. Right. So how you feeling about the big board so far? Whew. Every time I look at it, I, I see something that I, I don't like, but I think that's that's part of it. <laughs> part of it, right? We've got three guys ranking. We had Justin in here last week. We'll have to do an episode with me, you, and Justin. He's fun. I don't know if you watched that one. But uh, man, he's he's a smart dude, and uh, he knows he knows college football the way you know college football, right? He just knows all these guys. Um, I, I think when we get up. we get back through, I want to say I mean if we go back through all of it when we're done with all of it, it's going to be like a three hour show. <laughs> it's being like, are we sure we wanted this guy over this guy? Yeah, I don't know. It, it could be a fun three hours, but yeah. I'm with you. I am with you. All right, my friend. Um, as always, this is a blast. You got anything you want to plug? And if you're if you're watching this, you're probably already following Kyle. If you're not, he's at Kale underscore fantasy on the Twitterverse. And um, you doing you doing the Debbie with the undroppables again right now? I have rankings on the site, but I don't. Right. We gotta do some rankings. I do some rankings up here, man. We get we get some rankings going. <laughs> Throw them on the Twitter. Get them pinned. Uh, all right, man. You got any other parting shots on the Mac? I mean, I think there's a lot of upside here. A lot of uncertainty. Love the running backs, right? I mean, now three of our top five running backs are Mac guys. Um, it's like seven of our top twelve. That's yeah, yeah. Mac the Mac. Um, not as fun through the air as it used to be with Dustin and Crumb, but you know. Plenty to work with through the ground. You know, we could see a we could see a return though. I really think you're onto something with Basilak. Uh, you know, why why can't he throw for 3,500 yards against these guys? It's true. With with two good receivers, you know. So. Yeah. Hopefully they can keep him safe back there. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> Probably going to be the issue. Probably the issue. All right, uh, everybody that followed along this so far, we appreciate you. Make sure you like. Subscribe to the channel. We love your support. We love all the positive feedback we're getting on the Debbie Dose. And uh, I really appreciate you guys following along with us. I hope we're doing something a little bit different than anyone else and, and something that's helpful for you in your CTC and CFF drafts this year. So let us know what you think. We appreciate the feedback. And uh, I will sign off for Kyle. For me, I'm Eric at EK Baller. We will see you guys next time. <laughs>